Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement, your source for news and commentary from a cultural and right of center perspective. African American Conservatives. Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. I'm Marie Strotter, reminding you to go to ACONS. Dot .substack.com. There you will find all of our uh, there you will find our links to our podcast, links to our social media platforms, our commentary, everything ACONS you'll find right there at acons.substack.com. Our guest today is Cash Patel. He served as the Chief of Staff to the Department of Defense, Deputy Assistant to the President, and Senior Director for Counterterrorism on the National Security Council, and the National Security Advisor and Senior Counsel for the White for the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. He is the founder of the Cash Foundation and FightWithCash.com and a best-selling author. His new book is entitled Government Gangsters, The Deep State, The Truth, and The Battle for Our Democracy. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. As you point out in Government Gangsters, the people you write about did not want this book released. (laughs) Uh, Would you tell us about the hurdles that you had to overcome to get your book published? Yeah, I really appreciate you letting me talk about Government Gangsters. So we finally launched it yesterday, and President Trump gave it a big push, and it got into the top 10, so we're going to keep the momentum going. But I think that's why the Biden administration tried to block it. As a former government employee, you have to submit your manuscript, this book, back to government for review. And I'm okay with that process. It usually takes two to three months to clear it. After 10 months, they still hadn't cleared my manuscript coming up with excuses like, oh, there's classified information and secrets and private information and we can't have this out there. I sued them in federal court. They bent the knee less than a week later and we won the rights to publish our book and less than 0.05% of this book is redacted. That tells you the real impetus behind the Biden administration's censorship of my book. And I'm so proud and humbled that so many Americans have already bought and read it. And I think there's a reason Donald Trump calls it the roadmap for 2024. Um, so just get a copy of Government Gangsters and um, see what, why the Biden administration really wanted this thing buried, because I exposed their corruption. I love how you say that uh, there were conf- there's confidential information in there. I mean, did you leave it in the garage near your Corvette? No, I mean, right, well, you know- no, I left it next to my Lamborghini. <laughs> I, you know, I, I've been doing this a little longer than Biden. I mean, that, you know, that's just the hypocrisy of their way. Now, it's a great exactly. point, right? It's not, and it's not just Democrats. A big point of my book, Government Gangsters, where I highlight probably at least a hundred corrupt government officials. It's Democrats and Republicans who are married to the entrenched deep state that exist to destroy our to, our system of justice and weaponizes law enforcement and intelligence and destroys our national security mission. And that's just a few of the things they're harming. And they do so in the name of self-enrichment or so they can be glorified in the fake news media or have their name in the Hollywood Hill headlines. And it's just disgusting to me. And I had had enough. And I probably call out more Republicans than I do Democrats um, in there. I'm probably not making any more friends, but uh, that wasn't the point. The point was you got to tell the American people how to obliterate the deep state together. They're not right-wing conspiracies. 
And who doesn't want the successes of a Donald Trump administration for our future generations? Who doesn't want a secure border? Who doesn't want to take on Russia and China and Iran? Who doesn't want to send our children to another 20-year forever war? I mean, I'm just listing off a few things that really aren't political, but the deep state has made them political because it's whatever we can do to get Trump. And, you know, you make a great point because it is Democrats and Republicans. Mm -hmm. So your average American person is wondering, so what's the answer? How do we deal with this bipartisan effort uh, to, I guess, for lack of a better uh, way of describing it, screwing over the American uh, public? Yeah, the starting point is you got to educate the American public in the communities, half of which still think Donald Trump is a Russian asset because they watch CNN and New York Times for five years. But we have to go after that audience. And it's not an I told you so moment. These same people were lied to about Ukraine impeachment one and two and January 6th and Hunter Biden and the 51 Intel letter. All of these things have been spawned by the deep state and their corrupt partners in the fake news mafia. So step one, the mission is to educate them. And it's not an I told you so moment. It's look, look at the track record. You said you voted based on this information, disinformation. Are you going to continue to get this fake information and base the decisions on your family on that? Or are you going to watch this great show? Are you going to, you know, are you going to buy government gangsters? And I really simplified it for the morons at MSNBC. I took 220 pages and I put a five page summary in the back on how to fix every agency and department in government from personnel to budgeting, to firing people, um, to using Congress to impeach judges who are becoming lawless actors. There's so many different things we can do. Things like shrinking the general counsel's office. I mean, even lawyers want less lawyers around. The only people that want more lawyers around are government. So they can have a job and tell you 27 ways of not to improve America. I mean, there's there's so much invested in this book in Government Gangsters that I think, you know, as much as I hated the writing process, it's not my, you know, wheelhouse. I think it was important to do. And I think Americans are really taken to it. And, you know, look, we can either have America subscribe to books like Government Gangsters or subscribe to books that talk about false information about President Trump grabbing the steering wheel of some car and throwing salad at a wall. Things that never happened and things that they never even saw or heard about, but the fake news will put them on because they want to dominate the airwaves and just continue to castigate Trump. And it's ironic that these staunch conservatives are the ones out there doing the uh, public decapitating. Um, I think uh, they have lost their ways but our movement is gaining more and more traction. That's absolutely right. Now, in Government Gangsters, you wrote, the federal bureaucracy is rotten at the top because senior leadership thinks government exists for the glorification of their own egos and forgets government service exists for the benefit of the American people. The deep state is really just a collection of unaccountable bad actors at the highest levels of federal bureaucracy, the media, elected office, corporations, and cultural institutions who abuse the power that they've been given uh, and the institutions that they were hired to serve in order to protect themselves and manipulate politics in their favor. And they are aided and abetted by the staff uh by staff in the government who are either in the game or too afraid to speak up, end quote. Is the end goal of these bad actors a permanent political majority for the Democrats, much like we see in states like California, but at a national level? 
I think the end goal for all of them is one of two things, if not both money, which is a, which is an, an issue I address in government gangsters that, for example, I take on the defense industrial complex. And what I mean by that is these people rotate through the DOD, take Mark Esper, for example, as the latest high level positions, they outpour contracts to all their friends in the defense industrial complex, and then go get their golden parachute job back out in the defense industrial complex after their time in government, quote unquote, serving. And that process has to end. And not just that DOD, but DOD is just the largest consumer and spender of government taxpayer dollars. And I used to be the chief of staff over there. I'm not saying we need to cut their budget entirely, but there is a big chunk that needs to come out. And there is a big mandate that needs to go out to prevent DOD officials from going out there and working for the Raytheons and Boeings and, and Lockheeds and all these companies. I'm not saying prohibit them from all employment, but they can't go out and make money off their career of government service by getting those companies contracts just so they get hired. And the other thing, if it's not just profits and a combination of the two, is they want their egos glorified. They want their names in the headlines. They want the mainstream media to interview them and put them on TV as if that is the end all be all. But in Washington, D.C., in swamp politics, this is the oxygen that these animals live off of. If they cannot get their names in the media, if they cannot be seen on TV, then it's like depleting their bank account to zero. So that's another thing I talk about in Government Gangsters is if you put out the truth, you will drown out these fake disinformation campaigns in the mainstream media. And so that the end goal is simple. Yes, it's to rid government of this deep state, which is now just in your face. It's not even hidden anymore. But the end goal is simple to allow the voting base in the United States of America to vote based on the truth and not have elections rigged by big tech and the FBI who are in bed together with taxpayer funded contracts to tell you and your viewership what you can and can't post. I mean, this is 2023 America. They've been doing it for the last two election cycles. Of course, they're working on it together this coming election cycle. I mean, Zuckerberg put in what, half a billion dollars. Soros is putting in all this money, but where's Congress's actions to get the contracts? This is really simple. Why does FBI and DOJ have contracts with fit Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. What is the purpose of you sending a task force over there on election integrity? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it's a censorship project. And unless we expose this, this isn't like some fictional tale. The, the director of the FBI, Christopher Ray, admitted to doing this in the run-up to last year's election. If they are doing this one thing with tens of millions of dollars of taxpayer dollars, what else are they doing to rig our elections that they don't tell you about. That's exactly right. Now, what is the Nunes memo and how did, what impact did it have? <laughs> the Nunes memo, as I, as I was joking with my good friend, Devin Nunes this morning, um, I always uh, you know rub it in his face a little bit. It's actually the cash memo since I wrote it. Uh, no, when I was working <laughs> for uh, Devin Nunes when he was House Intel chair, I ran the Russiagate investigation. And that sorts of, that's a big piece of what started me down this mission to take out the deep state. And when we uncovered the fact that a political campaign had bought foreign dirty fake intelligence and piped it into a willing and able DOJ and FBI who corrupted a FISA court to lie to a federal judge to unlawfully surveil Donald Trump and his surrogates, you'd have to be like, wait, what did you just say? Any piece of that were true in and of itself. It would be a monster scandal. But they did all of it. Then they buried it in the fake news 
with lies and saying Donald Trump's a Russian asset. Cash Patel and Devin Nunes are crazy. So if you've never read the Nunes memo, you're in luck. I put it in Government Gangsters, along with the receipts from things like January 6th, Mayor Bowser's letter refusing National Guard service, Nancy Pelosi's Capitol Police refusing Donald Trump's offer of National Guard. The lies they're still continuing to say to this day, two years on, is the purpose of why we did the Nunes memo back when. And everything in there has stood up to be true. I encourage your audience to read it and go watch the movie Plot Against the President. If you haven't seen the Plot Against the President, you don't understand the originations of the deep state. It is a true story of Russiagate and how we expose the FBI corruption. But more importantly, it sets the stage for the conversations we're having today about these government gangsters. And I'll give you an example of their, the depth of their criminality. When Devin Nunes and I published the Nunes memo, Rod Rosenstein, a Republican appointee, and Chris Ray, running the FBI and DOJ, unlawfully surveilled congressional staffers, me, to get dirt on us and Devin Nunes. I just last week filed a federal lawsuit against them. And you might be asking, why did you wait four years? Because they didn't tell us. I had to find out from Google six months ago that this even occurred. This is the levels they're willing to go to. They don't care if you're an R or D. They care if you threaten their livelihood if you dare to show the corruption of their institutions that they say they are serving the American people and you show them to be a criminal enterprise, they're going to come after you. But the mission's more important. And that's why I wrote the book, Government Gangsters. And yeah, read the Nunes memo, watch the plot against the president. A lot of people really need to start being educated on why they do this and how we fix it. You wrote, quote, whistleblowers have revealed in multiple ways how the deep state is continuing to weaponize the power of the state against internal dissidents. To pump up public support for their attacks on conservative Americans, the FBI leadership has been reportedly pushing agents to artificially inflate data about domestic terrorism to make the problem seem much worse than it is, end quote. Can you expand on that for our audience? Yeah, that's just one example of how you serve up a disinformation narrative title. If you look at any of the events surrounding January 26th, the mainstream media and everybody has called it insurrection, though no one has been charged. Donald Trump has not been charged with insurrection because that did not occur. But the political narratives out there and what they want to do to support and continue that political narrative because they don't have anything to run on that they've done that's good um, is they need to put out fake news. And what they do is they say, oh, look, if you're a Trump supporter, you're a domestic violent terrorist, and we're not making that up. Look at the statistics. When you have bad actors and government gangsters like Chris Ray, and you have brave whistleblowers who come out and expose him by saying they're taking criminal cases from the Midwest and reclassifying them as domestic terrorism cases and insurrection cases in and around January 6th, so Chris Ray can go to Congress and lie and say domestic terrorism is on the rise and it's due in part to Donald Trump supporters. They have their fake news narrative because the government gangsters are in bed with the, with the mainstream media. And this is one of the biggest highlights for people to understand. If they're willing to do that at the FBI and DOJ just to um, attack an innocent set of American people, look at what else they're going to do down the road lie about it to your faces under oath in Congress, and more importantly, let the real criminals go, you know, the robbers, the rapists, the murderers, the illegal immigrants who are literally molesting children and raping senior citizens. Instead of manhunting those guys, they are reallocating assets to Washington, D.C. They don't need them there. 
the FBI building, I talk about this in my book, the FBI headquarters building should be shut down and it should be reopened as a museum of the deep state and let every actor and American walk through the halls for free. And you only need like 20 people around to actually run the FBI, send the agents back in the streets in our communities to safeguard our children. That's their job. That's absolutely right. Now, one interesting figure not mentioned in Government Gangsters, uh, but certainly one many feel to be deserving of the designation, is Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Did you have any interactions with him? And if so, what is your impression of him? I ha actually have not really had any interactions with uh, Mitch McConnell, not when I was on Capitol Hill and not since I've left. Um, so personally, I don't know more than anyone knows that they read about in the media. But what I do know is you see Mitch McConnell's health is worse almost than Joe Biden's. And how can we have the most powerful Republican in the United States Congress not have the ability to get from A to Z or have a thought process delineated to the American public that champions conservative values? I'm not attacking the man's health. I wish him well. Yeah. I wish him rest and recovery. But there comes a time. This is the problem with these some of these government gangsters. They just they go to government. And they never leave because they have no life outside of government. And you've seen some of these folks, Dianne Feinstein, Adam Schiff, you know, the Mitch McConnell's of the world. They never, never leave. Steny Hoyer, they're there forever. And, and you know, they talk about us as being the party of, you know, old white people. It's hilarious yeah. that they have more old white people in Congress than the Republicans ever have. Um, but Mitch McConnell is out there with an anti-Trump agenda. He's not quiet about it. And they would rather be in the minority and blow up the next presidential election um, then have Donald Trump win. And they fail to realize, or they do, and they just ignore it, that the will of the Republican Party has changed. It's not Mitch McConnell's. It's not Paul Ryan's. It's not Mitt Romney's. That's gone forever, thanks to Donald Trump. And they're trying to claw it back with the likes of Liz Cheney and company and a bogus Jan 6 investigation. So I think the country has spoken. The problem is we don't have term limits and we need term limits yeah. on senators and congressmen. So we don't have these issues. You're not supposed to go to Washington to enrich yourselves. But these guys and gals, literally, they have no life outside. It's so sad that their life exists because people are clawing to the teeth of power, of power and saying, please do this for me. Please do this for me. And they're, they get the phone calls and emails as if they're actually adored for the job. They're, they're hated for the job they fail to do. And they're hated for the jobs they get bought and paid for by the lobbyists and defense industrial complex. And they're hated for spending $115 billion in the Ukraine of our taxpayer money yes. when we got 55,000 homeless veterans that we yes. should be first. That's absolutely right. I mean, that's the thing I think that I find so outrageous is that we have all this money to give uh, illegal people, uh, you know, airplane fare and mm -hmm. free in-state tuition and all of these other things. And we have $41 billion plus to send over to Ukraine, but we have homeless veterans uh -huh. that are sleeping on the streets. We have children in the foster care system who, you know, go to bed hungry, but we've got all this money to send to other people. That's shocking to me. Yeah. Absolutely that's shocking to me. That's the defense industrial complex. It's a large yeah. part of what I take on in government gangsters. And it's probably going to win me no popularity in DC, but it's because these monopolies in the defense industrial, a lot of which do great work, but they can't operate. Nobody in the private sector is paying private sector money. They're getting $800 billion from the United States government 
to launch programs that will quote unquote create jobs in this person's home district and spend money here and make it as if we are the world's savior. We are not the world's policemen. We do not need to send seven years worth of service to air missiles to Ukraine so we don't have them. What happens to America's national security when our politicians and bureaucrats sell out to the defense industrial complex and we're not ready when we need it? That's our security right. is for us and we help our allies and friends after that. And that's why we have to take on the defense industrial complex. I've literally seen multiple billions of dollars burn up in the sky. And then we reward them with yet another contract. Yeah. And that's why you see so many Republicans and Democrats voting for this Ukraine surplusage package when they're just like some of the programs you talked about. And to hit on Chinese fentanyl for a second, yeah. thing we have to take on with China. A one-year-old in New York City died from a fentanyl, um, uh, over not an overdose, but a fentanyl... Um, exposure in a daycare center. Oh, what yes. if we put in a couple million bucks? So daycare centers for children in foster care, uh, you know, yes. we're drug free zones, you know, what a crazy concept and, and things, simple things like that, that these politicians will never do because it won't enrich them and their, and their aristocracy, aristocratic class in Washington. That's right. Now, another name you list as a member of the executive branch deep state is former Attorney General Bill Barr. Why did you reach that conclusion about him? Well, I wish I was wrong. I wish I wouldn't have to call out a Trump appointed attorney general, an individual who had the full authority of the Department of Justice and FBI to expose the criminal conspirators that launched Russiagate, Comey, McCabe, Strzok, Page, pre-staff and so many others, McGonagall and everybody else. And he's like, oh, I'm going to appoint a special counsel and nothing happens. We had an opportunity. We proved the corruption. And then we had an opportunity to finally get internal accountability. It's what I talk about in Government Gangsters. America is sick and tired of the hypocrites in government saying, you all are the criminals, but we don't do anything wrong at DOJ and FBI. Bill Barr had the opportunity to clean it up, but Bill Barr represents the entrenched rhino class he took a job with Donald Trump because he thought he could overtake Donald Trump, another unconstitutional measure of the deep state and its cabinet. But he was called to task. We proved his corruption. And then what does he do? He resorts to name calling Bill Barr and he resorts to taking personal attacks against me and can't even get simple facts right. And then sells this garbage book and says how we have to we have to elect a Republican that's not Donald Trump. You worked for him. You took the job. You just got beat being exposed as a government gangster. And what accountability did you give us at DOJ internally when we showed you the criminal conduct of federal officials lying to a federal court just to unlawfully surveil a president? What did you give us? Nothing but fake news and your sick interviews in the media so you can protect the institution that I used to work at, DOJ, rather than hold people there accountable. That's the difference. And that's why he's a government gangster. Now, you make little effort to disguise the less than admiring view that you hold for Congressman Adam Schiff. <laughs> Your view of him seems to be shared, uh, uh, seems to be shared by the fact that you initiated a bit of vengeance against him by goading him into writing his own memo. Could yeah. you describe this to us? Well, you have to, I mean, everybody now knows the political animal that is Adam Schiff. Maybe five years ago, most people hadn't heard of him because he, like a bunch of people in DC, um, cared to do a little bit of the actual work that needed to be done instead of caring about their egos and becoming the next uh, most popular person. So 
at, taking advantage of his political ego, we wrote the Nunes memo and we knew that we should afford the, the Democrats a response, the ability to respond. But we also knew we were dealing with a lot of classified information. And when we wrote our memo, of course, we didn't put we put in all the information we could and then we lawfully declassified it. And we knew the Democrats would be given a hall, hard pass. Hard, excuse me, hall pass on a memo if they wrote it. So we goaded them into putting out so much more information than that we would have ever gotten approval to get out. Things like the conduct of Bruce Orr and Nellie Orr, things like Fusion GPS, things about lying to the federal court and how and why and when it occurred. And they were citing specific examples from the FISA. Now all of that is public and we've exposed the shift memo for all the lies that were contained in it. And that was the uh, sort of political stroke of genius that uh, we led on the Republican side. But it was done so we can get the receipts, the information out to the American public. And that's the thing that Congress is just lacking these days. They are not willing to go out there and enforce these subpoenas and get this information out like we did. And I don't know that that's going to change. Now, you've been a, a target for the Washington Post, MSNBC, and uh, other progressive media outlets. You mentioned some of these attacks you endured from columnist David Ignatius. How did these attacks affect you? Well, look, here's the thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I've been, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kid from New York, a minority who has heard a lot worse from much better. So I can take it personally. There's nothing David Ignatius or Watermelon Head can throw at me that's going to, you know, cause me to shake in my boots. The issue that I have is probably twofold. One, my family has to read this information, which is just, mm -hmm. you know, deplorable and disgusting and completely untrue. And they're exposed to it when they, they're private citizens and they never should have to endure that. And I have a huge family. And two, they do it because it comes at a financial and personal cost to you. You got to go hire lawyers. You got to have to fight off the subpoenas. Um, and I've never been one to shy away from that because the truth is the only thing that matters. I was the first guy subpoenaed by the January 6th committee, spent a quarter million dollars on legal fees. And I was the one that exposed Nancy Pelosi and Mayor Bowser's failure on the National Guard because I was chief of staff at DOD and in the Oval Office when President Trump authorized the 10 to 20,000 National Guard days before. And I put the receipts in here because I want the world to go out there and not believe me Believe the own government's wording and documentation on events like January 6th. And then ask yourself, why did they lie to you? Why didn't they take the 10,000 National Guard men and women that you offered? And that would have secured the Capitol and no violence would have occurred. That's the question they need to be asking. But the personal attacks, you know, when they lead to death threats, which I've gotten multiple of, that's when, you know, it's just so over the top. But people like David Ignatius, they don't care. And they write these quote unquote hit pieces and they're completely based in abject falsehoods, but they'll quote them as op-eds because they don't, they know I'll sue them for defamation. I'm suing CNN. I'm suing political already for defamation. I'm not stopping. And I'm helping others at the Cash Foundation um, either sue for defamation or pay mortgage, or if you're an active duty service guy or law enforcement or teacher that needs money, that's the whole point of the mission. So we're doing what we can to help, but it does come a point in time when not they just cross my line, but everyday American citizens who, you know, why? Because they voted for Trump or dare to have a MAGA flag in their front yard or, or, or an advocate for uh, firearms and under the Second Amendment. I mean, when they vilify everyday Americans, that's the dangerous part about attacking me personally, because, you know, they're coming after everybody else.
That's right. Now, you, I want to touch on January 6th. Regarding January 6th, you wrote, quote, the president was well aware that we should expect a historically large crowd to come to his rally that day. When he authorized the National Guard to be used, if requested, we quickly reached out to offer our assistance, not only to Mayor Bowser, but to the sergeants at arms in the House and Senate who manage the U.S. Capitol Police and are charged with security at the Capitol complex itself. Mayor Bowser had requested some support at metro stations and for traffic control, but she made it explicit in a written and signed letter delivered to the administration on January 5th that she was requesting no additional support from the National Guard, end quote. Why did she refuse? And do you believe the Capitol would have been breached had she accepted the guardman, guardsmen? She refused because her and Nancy Pelosi wanted the political narrative. They wanted the insurrection so they could bludgeon conservatives and Donald Trump with it like they do to this day falsely. And yet, and of course, if, if our men and women of the National Guard were there, there would have been no violence. You would have seen a secure perimeter established and we would have done the security work necessary to assist law enforcement there. And the important note, on, you know, a lot of your audience probably saw Donald Trump's interview um, on MSNBC or whatever that show was the other week um, where she brought up, you know, why didn't you, Donald Trump, do more? to secure January 6th. That's that's disinformation. The president of the United States can do no more with local law enforcement than offer the support of the National Guard. And it is illegal for any president to deploy the National Guard without the request, authorization, and permission of the current governor or mayor, and in this case, Mayor Bowser, it's DC, and Nancy Pelosi as head of the Capitol Police. So people are now like, of course, the MSNBC interview was like, oh, why didn't you just send him? Posse Comitata Supreme Court states unilaterally never can a president deploy military personnel. That's because we don't want coups in the United States of America. Yeah. That was our founding father's intention. So President Trump makes the authorization days before January 6th. And what's in the back of the book, Government Gangsters, are the receipts, Mayor Bowser's letter, but also Nancy Pelosi and her sergeant at arms and the chief of Capitol Police being told explicitly no that they must decline the request for National Guards men and women. Either one of them could have said yes, but both of them wanted the political narrative and they knew the fake news would lie to this day about what actually happened in the run-up to January 6th. And that's the narrative we have to try and correct. And that's a large part about the book is it's just yet another example of them lying and making up laws like, oh, well, you could have done this, Donald Trump. When what it, no other president is permitted to do this now, all of a sudden you want him to deploy military in the United States cities. That's what now MSNBC is advocating for. And we have to call him out on these massive disinformation campaigns because we're, we're leading to destruction of a republic. People are out there who've never heard this before and be like, oh, wow, I didn't know they could do that. And yeah. then they go tell 10 people and they're like, oh, well, he could have he could have just put tanks on Pennsylvania Avenue. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. What is your reaction to the New York Post report that the FBI had so many paid informants at the Capitol on January 6th that it lost track of the number and had to perform an audit later to determine exactly how many confidential human sources run by different FBI field offices were present that day? As a former national security prosecutor and intel operations guy, that is terrifying. I've run sources in the U.S. and across the world. How can our premier law enforcement agency lose track of taxpayer funded government sources 
who are doing the FBI's bidding to supposedly root out criminal conduct throughout the United States, and they all just coalesce together or in and around January 6th, and poof, they're saying, oh, we lost everybody, and we have to conduct a poll? And that's not us saying it, like you cited. That's former FBI Deputy Director at the Washington Field Office, Dan Tuano, stating for a fact that they had lost these individuals. What else did they lose? And he also told us that there were multiple dozens of undercover agents, law enforcement agents on and around January 6th. So the question is, what were they doing there? And assets and sources and agents can't just be deployed on the day of. This is a multi-month operation. You have to vet these people. You have to train them. You have to equip them. You have to embed them in the right groups and places. So how is it that they knew many months in advance, the DOJ and FBI, to have these people there? And the biggest question is, of course, how did you lose track of people who are generally criminals that we have bought and paid for as United States taxpayers to come onto our side and purportedly help us. I think there was a lot of entrapment going on <laughs> and the bench in Washington, DC is covering up for DOJ and FBI by rubber stamping these baseless convictions. For the most part, some people did commit some atrocious acts and need to be prosecuted, but it's just another example of the two tier system of justice. It's the get Trump movement and the bench, the judiciary was supposed to be the last stop. But some of them are even gone, which is why in Government Gangsters, I call for Congress to start impeaching judges when Donald Trump's back in yes. power. They, the protectors of the Constitution, have failed us too many times in the name of politics. One of the people who will be new to most of your readers is that of Brian Auten. Who is he and how did he make such a significant impact on the 2020 presidential election? Yeah, Brian Auten was one of the senior intel operatives at the Federal Bureau of Investigation who helped rig a presidential election. I mean, this guy was literally shown the door at the FBI as a result of not just our investigation, but the Durham investigation and the Durham report. And as an intel operative and agent at the FBI, he was the one that was largely responsible for the Hunter Biden scenario, the 51, uh, not the intel, excuse me, but the laptop, and basically slowing down, if not stopping the investigation and preventing the publicization of that investigation in the first place prior to the election, which as history has shown you, they have no problems leaking Donald Trump's investigations when it suits them, but when it's Joe Biden and when it's Hunter Biden and when it's criminal conduct that is tied to them, that is actually a crime, unlike what they accuse Donald Trump of, they, the FBI and DOJ suppress it and caused yet another election to be rigged. So that's why I highlight guys like Auten and company. They were doing it. We've caught them for a little bit of it. The question is, how much did they get away with? Because Bill Barr and company failed to actually hold them accountable mm -hmm. when they had the powers of justice and they chose protecting their names and their brand of institution over um, ridding the FBI of these criminals. I want to touch on something that you just said um, regarding the John Durham uh, investigation. You mentioned the John Durham investigation into the Russian hoax. This investigation was severely damaged by the verdict to the, indict, uh, the indictment Durham levied against Clinton lawyer Michael Sussman. Mm -hmm. Sussman, to the surprise of many, was acquitted. Should he have been? No. And I'm the guy that interrogated Michael Sussman and that deposition is public during the Russiagate investigation. I talk about it in my book. Um, he was literally flat out asked, did you take that bogus intelligence, and I'm paraphrasing, from 
um, your clientele to the FBI and CIA at the request of a client, the DNC. And he said, no. And then he later came out and said, yes, I was working for the DNC. That's who I took the Alpha Bank narrative to. That's who I took it to at the CIA and FBI at my friends. I wanted them to notify them of it. And um, of course I was working for someone. And the judge in this case precluded John Durham from utilizing the sworn testimony under oath, the black and white evidence of criminality from my deposition, the judge precluded it, where he lied under oath. And this is what we're up against in Washington, D.C. So it's frustrating to see that. And the fake news, of course, gave him a pass on it. But he's guilty. He knows it. The judge knows it. The judge saved him. And that judge and other judges like who act like that based on politics need to be impeached, um, in, in my opinion. And so... That's, I think, did sort of take the wind out of John Durham's sails, unfortunately. But he also should have brought these cases outside of D.C. And it's another thing I talk about, jurisdiction and government gangsters. Too often is DOJ just saying, oh, it's got to go to Washington, D.C. No, it doesn't. These guys jurisdiction venue shop all day long. And they don't do it in cases of super important national consequence. I find that politically um, charging the system of justice instead of actually serving it. And, you know, Sussman is a total government gangster, as is his colleagues at Perkins Coie and, and so many other folks that I talk about that were part of that scam. Again, that never occurred. Remember, Trump Tower and Alpha Bank secure Russian line. Oh, it turned out actually Trump never had that secure line or unsecure line or any line. And the Alpha Bank narrative came from the DNC funded operation that was Russiagate to try to get Trump. And Michael Sussman was the lead operator on that line of effort. Now, yours is a name that occasionally gets whispered to be the next FBI director <laughs> should Donald Trump regain the White House. What are some of the reforms that you would enact should that come to fruition? Yeah, and then you look, the mission is getting Donald Trump elected and anything after that we'll take on. And it's it's always a it's a privilege to serve, especially that great president. So I think anyone who ends up running the FBI and DOJ, it's the same thing. One, you have to shrink the office of general counsel. You don't need a million lawyers telling you how not to do things and how to jam up the, the uh, system in the name of quote unquote justice. But rather, as we've seen what FBI lawyers like Lisa Page do, which is lie to federal courts and suppress justice. You also need to just make sure you have appointees at the director and deputy director level that are going to carry out the law enforcement mission apolitically, not like Chris Ray's doing here, anything and everything to save his job, including destroying the FBI, breaking the law, unlawfully surveilling people, lying to Congress under oath and committing a FISA violation 278,000 times in one year by querying 278,000 Americans unlawfully. These are things that are easily solvable if we have the leadership in place. Then that leadership needs to put in personnel in the deputy positions and the um, chief positions and all the positions below that throughout the country to say, we have one mission at the FBI, prosecute crime. We also must, must prosecute that criminal conduct if it enters the hallways of the FBI, which it has now entered and permeated through too much of the leadership and cycled back through. That's another big deal in government gangsters. All these people cycle back through government, cycle back through the private sector and all look after each other. There's a reason Gina Haspel and Rod Rosenstein, I talk about extensively, work now for Chris Ray's old law firm. That's not happenstance. 
And we have to take on not just the personnel, but we got to go to Congress and say, hey, we don't need these institutions to be this big. You can take back this taxpayer money and use it for something else. I don't have to grow my office every year to justify my existence. That ethos that exists in the Department of Justice and DOD and everywhere else, we need more people, more people, more people. No, you need people doing the mission. And anyone else that isn't needs to be fired. And that's where Schedule F comes in. That's where the, you know, what I talk about in the book that this myth that you can't remove government people from service, from, from employment is a total myth. You absolutely can. It's hard work. You can go to Congress to help you with it. You can do it yourself if you find a basis of unlawful, unethical activity. But everybody's been too afraid to ever do anything. And when Donald Trump tried to do it, they again put out a disinformation narrative. Oh, you can never be. What do you mean you can never be fired? Where does it say that in your contract when you sign up to serve the American public of all things? It's not a private sector job. It's not a right that you get to do that. So these are just some reforms, and I talk about so many more um, in the book. Right now, we're going to wrap Thank you up. for listening to this episode of African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. You can find us online at acons.substack.com anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S. And also you can support our work at anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S forward slash support.